This is exactly right. Scotty. Kurt, how are you? I'm ready to do the podcast. Well, guess what? Uh Uh-oh. Buddy, Uh the beefalo (laughs) has found love. (laughs) Oh, he will never, ever stop being a part of our banana hearts. Let's get into it on a mighty, mighty episode of Bananas. Ladies and gentlemen, and our non-binary friends, welcome to Bananas. I'm Kurt Brownover. I am Scotty Landis, Banana Boy, number two. Thank you for listening to the silliest little podcast that ever was. Today, we have a great guest, Kurt. We have a guest that you and I are actually fans of, and we don't say mm-hmm. that every week, mm-hmm. and we really don't. Yes, we don't. She, uh, she was recently voted... I don't know if voted is the way to say it, but she was chosen by Vulture in 2020 hoisted. as a comedians you should know. Yes. Hoisted. Hoisted, hoisted up above the heads be- of Hollywood. She's essentially the best in the biz when it comes to comedians. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has, you maybe have seen her very, very funny videos, uh, maybe possibly featuring her character of her mother. Bet you is, have. They're so funny. Bet you have. And, of course, her new movie, Too Late which also stars Fred Armisen and Mary Lynn Rice Cub, is out now in theaters and on Amazon and iTunes. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Bananas, Alyssa Limparis. Hello! Hello! Uh, what a lovely intro. Thank you for having me. Excited to learn about Mr. Beef. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Buddy the Beefalo. So this, you actually, it's good to give some context. So we've been doing yes. Bananas for about a year and a few months, and Buddy was yeah. an early story. This is a Beefalo. A beefalo is a half cow, uh, half buff bison. Uh, you can breed yep. them. And this one is named Buddy, and he escaped in Connecticut and was on the lam from the cops. There were sightings for like nine months. He made it all winter free. without getting caught. He lived. He just lived free for nine months. So and then he was caught. No. And uh, and now and then he was caught, and he was humanely taken to sort of a green pasture to live out the rest of his days. They so didn't take him to a slaughterhouse. Yeah. Buddy the Beeflo is a true survivor's story. So we love Buddy. Wow. And also, just uh, this was sent in by um, Bananimal Polly Birdie. Uh, so she's uh, alerting us all about uh, the Beeflo news. Thank you, Polly. Thank you, Polly. Yeah, so he lives now on Critter Creek Farm Sanctuary in Gainesville, Florida. Heard of it. Uh, which seems for a cow to be an uncomfortable place to live. <laughs> Just terrible. <laughs> so humid. Oh, <laughs> but there was an update on the, I don't know if you guys follow Critter Creek Farm Sanctuary on Instagram not like lately, I do. Not lately. Uh, but they posted, they just posted this just a day ago. How about a quick update on Buddy, the famous biso cow? They call him a biso cow, which is nice because they're not referring to him as food, right? Yes. Beefalo right. is like referring to him half as food. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe he's crossed over. Yeah. Now that he is not set to be slaughtered. Everybody is no longer days. a beefalo. Everybody's yes. everything right? these days. It's a really yep. fun time to be alive. <laughs> uh, over the past couple of weeks, Buddy seems to have settled in with his new chosen family consisting of Eleanor, her baby Daisy, Deanna, and her baby Bunny and Autumn. Wow. He is particularly taken with Eleanor, pictured here with Buddy on a lovely foggy morning. <laughs> Eleanor seems to return the sentiment as she even allowed Buddy to babysit Daisy for her. Wow. We'll post it on the Instagram. Wow. I'm very happy with each other now. That's so beautiful. It is. It's a, such stepping a... Stepping in. He's stepping in as the father. Yeah. You know, he's he's gone through hell and back and he comes there <laughs> and he's... And he deserves to just live out his days. And he says, no, no, no. I'm going to come in and I'm going to be a hero to this family. They need me. It yes. is. Yes. It is like the. it's a movie where the convict returns back home <laughs> to then take care of a family. It's beautiful. It's it beautiful. really is. The credits are about to roll. Wow. It's nice. Wow. It's also kind of like a summertime romance. Like, have you ever been on a vacation and for two weeks you just really clicked with somebody and then never, ever oh. saw them again? Oh, yeah. Yes. It happens. Oh, yeah. It happens. 16. When I was 16, it happened in Laguna Beach, California. Okay. The Laguna Beach? The Laguna <laughs> Beach. 
1993. Great year. Her name was Heather, mm-hmm. and oh. we had a torrid love affair for two weeks. Oh, really? And was it like your first kiss, or what was the vibe? Was it first it love, would you say? It wasn't first kiss, um, and I guess I wasn't even 16. I must have been 14. Um, <gasps> but she was like dating. So there was like three people who were 14 who were like staying in the same apartment uh, on the beach. Okay. And okay. this dude, Mike, and her, and me. And then when I got there, Mike and her had already been there for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. So they were already quote unquote vacation dating uh-huh. and I would just like <laughs> hang out and be like the funny third wheel with them. But then she started hooking up with me while Mike was still there. And then Mike left. And then it was just full on us. And then uh. we wrote letters for like years afterwards. Aww. Oh, my gosh. Now, this is kind of a little bit the opposite of the Beefalo story. You kind of come into a, <laughs> you kind of come into a family unit and you say, nah, I got, so, I got something to do here. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Sorry, Mike, but, you know, the connection was there. The connection was there. You can't deny I don't that. regret it. It's no. undeniable, and I'm so glad you did that in Laguna Beach. That is... <laughs> totally, totally, totally. What a place for young love. Romantic sunsets sitting on the beach, and you're, like, a little cold, and you, you give somebody your hoodie, and it feels just like this is it. These are what real emotions feel like. I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. And then you look... This is at- what the songs are about. Yes. This mm-hmm. is... This is, it all makes sense now. Yeah. All the chemicals yeah. are coursing through all the right veins at this point. And then suddenly you look and you look at a 16 year old or however old you were, and they look like a toddler. You're like, what was <laughs> I? Like, it's I, oh, so crazy. Oh my God. So crazy. I play like 21 uh, year olds. Like, if you see somebody like college students or whatever around UCLA, you're like, is that person 21 or are they 15? <laughs> <laughs> it's very disturbing. <laughs> it is yeah. very upsetting. So tell us about your movie, Alyssa. Too late. Too late. Yes, we shot this before the pandemic. Fun. It was so fun. It's basically about the indie scene in LA, indie comedy scene, where I oh, am wow. a shy assistant who wants to be a comedian but isn't brave enough to do it. And my boss is really toxic and mean and a monster. And I am complicit in a lot of what he does. And then throughout the movie, you know, I try to... Try to take some power back. That's nice. cool. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. And everybody involved is funny. Was it a lot of improv or did it, was it heavily scripted and you stuck to word perfect acting? Mostly we were word perfect. Tom, Tom Becker wrote the film and mostly we stuck to his script, but they were the director, D.W. Thomas, was really great about us being loose with each other because we were all comedians and adding some tags, adding some riffs. But most of the time we were sticking to Tom Becker's brilliant words. That's great. Yes, that's great. Yeah, Fred is like a master of that, too. So I'm sure... Oh, God. It's so good. So is it a genre comedy, or is it just straight comedy? No, com- yeah, it's a, it's a horror comedy. A horror but comedy. yeah, the fact that it was all comedians, and it was like... You know, it was an indie. I, it was really fun, because we didn't have, like, trailers. It was very just like we would all come in and sit in the same room, which really helped, I think, because it's all comedians, so we just riffed all the time. It was so fun. We all got to know each other and be comfortable with each other. Uh, It's the best because, uh, you know, when you do it the other way, you're like, I'm I'm on set for the first time, and now I'm, like, meeting you, and it's almost... Whereas we just had... Exactly. Whereas, yeah, like, getting to have fun together, it was so much fun. I mean, it was just the most fun... I'd ever, yeah, it was just really, really fun. That's, that's the way great. to do it. I'm excited. That's, that's so exciting. And it is. I saw yeah. you uh, in the middle of the Great Quar. I saw you sitting in a Nissan with Brie Larson quite often. What is it like <laughs> to sit in a Nissan with Captain Marvel herself? Was it- I was in a Nissan quite often. <laughs> yeah, um, it was awesome. I mean, she was fantastic. She was She was really great. Funny enough, I shot that pretty soon after the movie wrapped. Yeah. And it's a, I remember getting that audition and being like, oh, this is, this is Violet because it's a similar arc. You know, okay. in the audition, it was like she's super shy and timid up top. Yeah. And by the end, she's like, boom, and she's walking <laughs> with her hair down, you know? Yeah. So it was actually, I remember being like, oh, yeah, this is very, it was in my bones at that moment because I had just done the other. But yeah, Brie was like incredible. She sat in the car with me the whole time. And yeah. she was, yeah, she was awesome. She gives off yeah, good Yeah, she vibes. seems like one of the good ones. Exactly. Totally. Yeah, not totally. one of the giant nightmares, which there are many of those too. Um, yep. Yes, I'm sure. Dear Scotty. Lord, give me a give us a little headline. Start us off. Eggshell Advocate sent this in. Eggshell underscore Advocate. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. DM'd it to us. Woman, always a great start to any story. Woman, I'm in. Yeah. Thank you. Woman wearing fox 
costume chases daughter down Chicago streets. So the woman apparently okay. tra- <laughs> the woman apparently wait wait try me again try me again chases daughter down yes woman wearing costume fox costume okay. chases own sure. daughter down Chicago streets the woman apparently traveled to Chicago to prank her daughter who is deathly afraid of mascots <laughs> now. <laughs> no, that's not a prank. That's not a prank. This is not just... a prank, but it was written by, uh, it's for foxnews.com. I went with Fox News because it's a story about a Fox costume. We all have opinions, but it was written by the glorious Ann W. Schmidt. Kurt, you like her. She is the best in the business. What a writer. A woman's prank on her daughter which she pulled three years ago, has returned and gone viral on Twitter this week. On Sunday, comedian Allison Reese, who is uh, at Reese underscore Shapiro, posted pictures of a woman wearing a fox costume. And this is a full full mascot costume. Like, no human skin, okay. visible. Okay. It is full commitment, big. which I it's love. It's big. It's big. Yeah. Little clothes. Does that have clothes on in addition yeah. to being, is it a fox wearing clothes? It's, uh, no, it's just full fox. Nothing. Oh, yeah. more terrifying. Yeah, more terrifying. I think. Uh, Allison Reese posted a picture of a woman wearing a fox costume, explaining that several years ago, the woman came into her Chicago coffee shop where Reese was starting <laughs> her day. So I... DM'd. It was she came to her job. Yeah, she wow. she started at a coffee shop at six a.m. So I DM'd Allison Reese, who was so okay. nice, and said, "Was this your first day on the job?" And she said, "No, but it was the first customer of the day." So as she's bringing coffee, she turns and there's just a fox standing, looking out the window. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Oh, like just staring at her through the window. Yeah, oh, and terrible. then comes in and then is waiting. This woman was waiting to see her daughter go by. So. The tweet that she put out that went viral said, quote, happy three-year anniversary to working in a coffee shop at 6 a.m. where my first customer was this lady in a fox costume on a way to surprise chase her daughter. Surprise Chase is a great name for a production company. Yes, it really is. Um, Who has an extreme fear of mascots down the streets (laughs) of Chicago. Um, But the story doesn't end there, guys. Hold on to your butts. Uh, Reese tweeted again, You guys aren't going to believe this, but the daughter found me on Instagram and the mom found me on Facebook. So crazy. We're messaging. So according to the pictures, the mom wrote, Oh, my God, Allison, uh, this is the lady in the fox costume. Thank you for doing this. My daughter is having a lot of fun with this post. Already can tell she's a good mom. Already thinking about her daughter's experience, not just making it about, like, we should make money off of this weird thing. The interesting you say that, Scotty, because I hear that and I go, she's going, oh, my daughter's good. She loves it. She loves it. She loves the prank. It's so fun for her. She loves it. This is fun. She likes this. She, the screaming was fun. It was fun screaming. Yes. It was a fun, I'm, it not, was a a bad, I'm not a bad mom. Oh, I see what you're saying. She's justifying her insane actions by saying. She's getting ahead of. Yep. She's not in therapy. Yeah. She's not in therapy. Um, <laughs> she's 23, or excuse me, today she's 33, and I didn't make it for her birthday this year, but she surprised me with tickets to come see her last month. Thanks again. So the daughter responded to Allison with a little bit more of a back and forth and said that she had no idea her mother was coming to town at all. I was leaving for work and was running late. I was texting a friend to see where they were. As I was in my lobby... <laughs> A bear, come, excuse me, a fox comes out of nowhere and legit scares the absolute shit out of me. I ran outside and jumped into an Uber. The daughter went on to say that even that her coworkers knew about the mom's prank. So when she got to the office, everyone was acting really weird. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly. She initially thought this is maybe more terrifying, by the way. She initially thought that the animal was a giant squirrel costume and not a fox, but she was running too fast to look back and see. She did it. So, Kurt, the only time I've ever been in a mascot costume ever was on your show, Bunk, when I was the giant birthday cake. Do you remember when I was oh the dancing God. birthday cake? Yes, yes. Well, you were also the you were also the um, the chicken. Yeah, points, what was that chi- called? Points, the points chicken. chicken. Yes. Oh yeah, you would come out. So we I had this show called Bunk uh, many moons ago on IFC, which was like um, a precursor. It was like a, it was a fully improvised uh, game show, made up rules. No one would win anything, um, it was and the, the best. and it would all be comedians competing. Like one of the questions would be. Um, 
Like one of them would be uh, insult this puppy, and then like puppies would be brought out, and then all the comedians had to do their best to like really shame the puppy. Oh, it was called shame this puppy, yeah. And then uh, and then at the end, so everyone would win points, but they would be like made up points. Um, this was before at midnight, and uh, and then at the end of the show, I'd be like, all right, let's count up all the points and find out who won. Yes. And then the points chicken would come out. And that was Scotty, that was and me. he would do this very particular dance which made me laugh so much and he would come up and then he would just rip up all the points and then i go oh no oh no the points chicken is ripping up the points yes. we don't know who won yes it was uh, i am not an aspiring actor i'm not an aspiring performer by any means but i whenever somebody's like do you want to be this dumb thing in a costume i'll do anything like dream jobs for me would be dead guy in background a uh, person who gets hit by bag of leaves from moving vehicle like i just love <laughs> being so Alyssa, if you ever make your own independent film or whatever and you just need somebody in the back to have like a bookshelf fall on top of call me <laughs> i'll gladly anything slapsticky but yeah i was the point chicken i would come out and do this wild dance it also scared the contestants because it was the only like yes. super fast thing so like i remember seeing people's faces being like oh shit who is this <laughs> um and then because yeah, you would come and you would grab them from yeah them. like it'd be like oh no stop it stop yeah <laughs> so funny it oh, was beautiful and i got to play that part four times because kurt he's such a good sport about this kind of thing we had to make four pilots for that show because they were unsure yeah. if it was gonna work and it was so gosh dang funny so i was point chicken yeah. five oh. times total this reminds me of a prank that i've always wanted to do <laughs> which is you choose one person in an office and then everyone else in the office has to agree to be in on the prank and then you just lead a horse through the office <laughs> like quickly uh and then no one reacts, okay? So, like, a horse just goes by and then leaves. And then you immediately, like, get the horse into an elevator and get it out of there. Uh, and then it's just everyone else is like, what are you talking about? Everyone denies that there's uh. just a horse walked by. I've always wanted to do that prank. I've had it in my head for years. Yes. Uh, yes. Someday. Someday. You could, I, bet, I bet you could get... Yeah, this woman, this mom seems to be up for anything. I think, yeah. you, I think she's got a horse connection. She's got a fox connection. Yeah, she's, she's tapped in. Now, yeah, Alyssa, when you're doing wow. your mom character, is this a direct impression of your actual mother? Is this a combination of a bunch of women in your life? Is it just a I composite? Say, I would say it's pretty much direct. It's pretty <laughs> much direct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty much like almost always something that she said or a heightened version of what because but but some of the best ones yes. have been after I hung out with my mom my aunt and my yai, my grandmother at the same time, like the vacation uh -huh. one I'm thinking of. Yeah. That's my favorite. Uh -huh. And I shot that in like, usually they take me days. That one I shot in like an hour because I just spent yes. this weekend with the, the matriarchs, all three. Oh, yeah. So I had like, I mean, my boyfriend came to see them all for the first time. My yaya gave him three... <laughs> Three, three <laughs> calendars of the same year. It was like, what do you? What does he need? Three pocket calendars? For? And he just needs nothing. It's like, he doesn't even need one. Uh, you're from Rhode Island. I am not. I'm from no. Seekonk, Massachusetts, which is okay. right on the line. But my mom and the accent is mm. Cranston, mm. Rhode Island. It is Rhode Island. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then my other family is from Lowell, Mass. So like my Yaya and my aunt are from like Lowell, Mass, and then my mom's side is from Cranston, Rhode Island. So yeah. Yeah. The New oh England connection. That, it's so funny. Did your mom ever prank you growing up? My mom was not a prank person at all. What, my family's not a prank family, but did you ever get it bad? Well, unfortunately, my, my poor mom, who my dad and I were big pranksters. Uh, we were big pranksters. So we would sometimes we would sometimes prank my mom, I would say. She's a very good sport. She's a very good sport. But yeah, my dad and I, I would say the, the best one we did was we had, we had a Spanish exchange student, Alvaro, who lived with us for a while. And he was like going out on the town with like his friends from school. And my mom, my dad was supposed to pick him up and my mom was really tired. So she went to bed. And so my dad and I just went to pick him up, yes. but my mom, we we're there waiting for him. And my mom like overslept or whatever. Maybe she just wanted to nap. I think so. She woke up and she called my dad and was like, Hey, where are you? And my dad was like, Oh my God. The stars are beautiful. I'm in Caratunk, which is like a wildlife refuge. I'm in Caratunk. You gotta come out. You gotta come. You gotta come. Just get out of bed. It's you'll never believe the stars. And I was going, whoa, 
Alvaro's in Providence, Rhode Island. He's getting off the bus. Yeah. You got to go get him. He's going to be there. He doesn't have a cell phone. <laughs> you got to. And he's, oh, my God. Call Alyssa. She calls me. I pretend I'm somewhere else. I go, call dad again. Calls my dad again. And then my dad goes, ah, well, here, just talk to Alyssa. And then he handed the phone to me. And I and I talked to her. And then she was like, wait a minute. You guys are in the car together. And then, yeah, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, I, I would have been worried that my mom would just get in the car immediately and been like, well, yeah. I'm going to go get him. <laughs> it was close. Yeah, it was definitely. She definitely like put clothes on. I think we we got yeah, yeah, yeah. we got her like out of bed. Yeah. All right. You want me to, want to tease us into a break, Curdy B? I'm having such a fun time with you today. Tease Alyssa and I into a wonderful commercial break where we sell all kinds of fun products. All right, Minnesota runner with Jesus saves bib saved by nurse named Jesus after <laughs> collapsing during race. <laughs> Oh, this is a mighty, mighty bananas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Bananas. And before we get back into our fantastic guest, just a reminder that I will be performing in Houston, Lafayette, Louisiana, and College Station, Texas, uh, August uh, 5th, 6th, and 7th. And of course, in Los Angeles at Dynasty Typewriter on August 11th. That's great. Um, Go on over to our Instagram and, and, and follow us on Instagram and DM us your strange news, The Bananas Podcast. Also, while you're doing stuff, why not go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a little rate? Why not? Review? You got the time. Why not? That sounds like why a great not? idea. Actually, now I'm thinking I got to do that, too. It Get sounds so fun. It, please. Be more like Alyssa. Yeah. She's in movies. She's in commercials. Be more like Alyssa, <laughs> please. Stop being such a stooge. Be awesome. Um <laughs> And also, you got some shout outs? Yeah, I have a couple shout outs. So, Alyssa, we have a thing called the Banana Phone. This is probably the last week it's going to exist. Mint Mobile gave us oh. a phone that I answer and talk to anybody that calls it for one minute and then hang up. Um, I, Kurt, I looked. We have received 3,300 yeah. something calls so far. Holy shit. And we've. Oh my God. And that's just that's um, numbers. So that's not counting people that called multiple times from the same number. So it's and probably in the ten thousand people range. who call multiple times. Some people call every day. Um, but and we also just so you know that is the amount my mom calls every day. So well, it's an impressive number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but um, so I got two calls today. One is from Ellie in Byron Bay, Australia, which is I learned the most eastern part of Australia. So thank you. It's a you. gorgeous town. Gorgeous town. Beautiful surf. Ellie called before her workout today which I think is tomorrow. So I think it's mm-hmm. tomorrow there. So hello from the past, Ellie. Thank you for being an Australian bananimal. And also I got a wonderful call from Alice in Stockholm, Sweden. Sweden is called many times, but this is Alice's first call. She says she wants us to come and tour, and she recommended we do a cruise between like London or England and Sweden, <gasps> and that's where we do our comedy show. Oh. And can we go, go up the fjords? Can we go up the fjords? I want to do some fjords. We're going to fjord our the minds fjords out, are? bud. We're going to fjord. I don't Maybe know. Maybe not. It might be Switzerland. I don't know. They probably the got a fjord are. in Sweden, but she and her sister I will encourage one. people to come. So what could be better than 200 drunk Swedes at sea with the Banana Boys? Maybe we bring Alyssa. It'll be a tour for Come the ages on. if we can make it. Oh, we would be so happy to have you. Um, on the fjord? What, what, we're going to have the fjords? The fjords? The fjords. We're gonna, I the fjords. Fjords. Me? I'm a fjord head. I go crazy for fjords. We're nuts for fjords. Um, but that's it. And so keep calling, guys. I'll respond to your text. It ends August 1st. But thank you to everybody. I've had so many beautiful conversations, so many people getting jobs, getting married, having babies, losing their jobs and finding better jobs. It's been a treat. And now that the grand reopening is happening, it's it's just been a very positive experience with really no downside. So... Thank you, and also keep sending us uh, unexpected bananas and blah, 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 merch store. You get it. Let's get back into the great podcast. Here it is. Minnesota runner with Jesus saves bib. (laughs) Saved by nurse named Jesus after collapsing during race. This was sent in by Olivia Latimer. This was her very first submission. She rocks ass. Nailed it. She's the best. 
banana of the week. Olivia's banana of the week. Welcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) This was written by uh, Caleb Park, uh, who, Scotty, do you know where they are in the business? Uh, I've looked into Caleb Park before, and he's not at the Uh bottom of the business. He is the best in the business at writing articles about, about people getting hurt running. There it is. A Minnesota runner's bib turned out to be more prophetic than he could have ever imagined. Tyler Moon, 25-year-old General Mills customer operations specialist in the Minneapolis area, entered a 10-mile race earlier this month with a faith-filled message that turned out to be true to his life. Quote, so before the race, my name was originally on the bib. Moon told Fox News one day, I got a thought. I thought it was from God that it should be a profession of faith. And I changed it to Jesus saves Mm -hmm. so that another runner or someone in the audience would see it, that Jesus saves us for eternity. Mm -hmm. On race day, October 6th, a Sunday morning, he felt really good after eating breakfast, ready to run the race in his orange Wheaties t-shirt. Nothing could go wrong. bib pinned to his shorts. I've been looking forward to this race for a while. He's got a Wheaties t-shirt on. Jesus saves. This man is an American flag. Uh, (laughs) The former college football player who has no history of heart trouble was running eight-minute miles until the eighth mile when he collapsed, cracking his head on the pavement, according to the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Oh, no. Thankfully, a runner named Jesus, quote, Jesse Bueno, a Lakeville registered nurse anesthetist. So Jesus, was probably. Right behind, was right behind okay. him and quickly saved his life. Like, right, exactly. Jesus, not Jesus. Alongside another colleague and other medical professionals. Wow. Performed chest compressions and assisted his breathing until the ambulance arrived. Moon, still adjusting after going through cardiac arrest, a concussion of broken bones in his face, said he is grateful. Thank you to everyone who helped me, and thanks to all the runners who stopped and saved my life. I believe God placed all these people there at the right time and the right place for his glory. Yeah, I think he missed out on an opportunity to say thank you, Jesus. But yes. uh, there it is. Um, wow. And that's it. Got so lucky. Now, I got a question for you guys. Sure. Yes. Do you see this as, do you see this as, I wonder at what point Nurse Jesus steps in? Because in my head, he's going, the guy's down, but I got to keep going. (laughs) Right. And he's like, oh, come on. You know, he sees the Jesus says, he's like, well, I have to now. And I have to throw my time. He might have been running his personal best. And he might have, he really might be, it might really be Jesus. I mean, we don't know. It's too soon to tell, but it could be. Mm -hmm. That seems like a very Christ-like move. It could be that he was having a tough time right at that moment. And he's like, here's my out. Don't have to run anymore. Yes. (laughs) And I get to save the day. Yeah, yes. that's pretty good. Mamrie, our, our former guest, Mamrie Hart, the great uh, and powerful Mamrie Hart, used to do a thing for the New York City Marathon called the Bloody Marathon. So same day, she pr- made all these shirts, she made bibs for everybody, and she contacted all these bars. So while the real Bloody Marathon, or while the real New York Marathon was taking place, she started, and then there was a bar crawl that crossed the path bar to bar, and you would drink a different Bloody Mary at each one. So it was like you drink... And, watch the, and, wa- and you would watch them go by each time? Exactly. And you would have to yeah, wait, because sense. they would like... A pack of runners would go by. Then they would all cross drunk with their t-shirts that Mamrie made into a bar, drink another Bloody Mary, and then wait for another pack and go to another bar. And I always thought that that should have become like a national thing. Like I couldn't believe it didn't get way bigger. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, that's such a that great to me idea. Is, like, that's the pinnacle. I love that. I used to be a track runner, and I did have that feeling once I got to college of like, wait, I don't have to do this. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, yeah, oh, I could do a marathon, or wait, I could do a much more fun thing. Yes. Yeah, great. And then you do that. Yeah. I had the <laughs> same moment. Did you, did you stop uh, being an athlete or at least competitively and then switch to comedy around the same time? I did. Me too. I did, and I remember... Okay, so I just talked about this recently, but I do remember this feeling of like, I loved the team aspect of running. I did love all that, but I dreaded running. Yes. And then once I got to comedy, it was like, I love the community and I love the actual thing. It felt like, oh, I don't have to dread the thing in order to get the community. Yeah. Yes, I had this weird moment and it actually was a life-changing moment where I played lacrosse and I came from a town where everybody was really great at it. And then I went up to... Where, where? I went to uh, from basically Reisterstown, Maryland. So Maryland. Maryland is like, Maryland, we do yeah. a lot of that. But I went to UMass. I went to UMass Amherst and they had a pretty bomb team at the time. 
And so I, there were three of us that were walking on, and it was a goalie, a defenseman, and myself. I played midfield. And the coach was this guy, I think, Coach Canella, and he said on the first walk on practice, he's like, only one of you is going to make the team. Probably none of you will play till your juniors because we have scholarship athletes that have to go first before you. And like, so we would have had to have been like incredibly great to even get playing time. And even before he finished, I was like, I'm quitting. I'm going to walk out in two seconds. And so as soon as he stopped talking, I was like, Coach Canell, it's so nice to meet you. Good luck this season. Put my helmet on my stick, walked. And while I was walking back to my dorm, I decided to create a sketch comedy TV show instead. And I went to my buddy Dan, who I think listens to the pod, and we created a show called Feeding the Ducks at UMass that like won every award. It totally changed my life. But in that exact moment, I was like, I don't want to try this hard <laughs> at sports. <laughs> and it, it was like somebody shut. It's like, Kurt, it's exactly like you said. It's like maybe Jesus was like just winded and like had a did not want to continue i was jesus and coach canella was uh, our buddy that smashed his head and i was like and change of course for the rest of my life it was a great moment i think a lot of people get sad i love that and i love that is also like a fuck yes approach where it's like if you like there are probably people who heard that and were like i don't care i'm gonna try yeah, i'm gonna yeah. be because i love this enough um, and that's how you should be. And you that's probably how we it. all feel with comedy. It's hard. I mean, this career is crazy. And there are <laughs> funny, but, but, but there, if you want, if you love it and love the, the process, then you're like, yeah, I don't really care if, if the odds are low. I love the process. But yeah, with sports, I was like, if the odds are low, I hate the process. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. yeah. I never I, I never connected with sports and it was not for lack of trying because, you know, my mom, I was a very much a mama's boy growing up and I was a single mom. And very sensitive. And I remember going to see it was this is when all the sports started Mm -hmm. uh, in my life. Mm -hmm. I went to go see E.T. for the second time with my uncle. And it was so crowded in the theater that we couldn't sit together. I must have been five years old. Mm -hmm. And so I was sitting by myself and he was sitting elsewhere. And then in the middle (laughs) of the movie, before anything sad started happening, I started like ball crying (laughs) because I knew what was coming. And and then he like took, he like forcibly removed me because he was like of that age where like, boys don't cry. Something's wrong with you. You're living with your mom. You're going to be gay. And like then made me do all of these sports. I did every single sport from like age seven to 14 until I was like 14. I was like, I don't like any of them. I'm not doing it. I'm doing theater. And my mom was like, that's okay. Just do theater. And they're like, Uh, he's tall. He's tall. He'll be good. And then it's like, no, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to be good. But you're a good surfer. Surfing's a tougher sport than almost any of those other ones. And I got into that by myself. Do you know what I mean? It was never like, all right, now you're going to go play basketball. Now you're going to go to basketball camp. Now you're going to play soccer. Now you're going to play baseball. I played them all except for football. Mm. And I just never, I never, I never connected with it. Ever, ever, ever. Until I did comedy and was on an improv team. And then that was the first time where I was like, oh, now I get this group thing. I like this. Oh. Totally. I mean, that's a really beautiful feeling. Like I mm-hmm. feel really grateful for that. That remember that feeling of just like, oh, like th- this is this is right. Like everyone here kind of feels like my people. Maybe I haven't felt this before. And like these now, yeah, just everything kind of made sense. That's a nice feeling. Yeah, yeah. those victories feel like yeah. bigger wins too. It's like when you make that first improv team or you do your first open mic stand up set. It's like and it goes okay, or even if it goes bad, but you're like I, the sense I, of accomplishment must be what athletes feel. But just it's totally different for performers and comedians. Totally. Yeah. By yeah. the way, Scotty, I went to Middlebury. Do you know Middlebury? Yes. Yes, I, I do. I feel we were. I feel we were a, a lacrosse cap. Yes. I feel. I feel in. Yeah. Badass. So you you. You make up your major in Middlebury, right? Or no? Uh, liberal arts, so basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's fun. But yeah, lacrosse was, I, I didn't even know about lacrosse till I got to Middlebury, and then it was like a whole world. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. it is. It's like, um, we just all grew up playing it, but it's fine. Like most people, most places, and probably a lot of people around the world have no idea what it is, but like, it's fun. It's a fast-paced thing. It was easy to put away. Yeah. I certainly miss soccer way more than that. And it's like, I never think, like now... 
Hollywood and this kind of crap is so competitive. Like every you're getting rejected constantly, you're trying constantly, and you're always like either about to get something or it's so far away that now when people are like, "Hey, dude, we have a we need somebody to fill in in a co-ed soccer league. Do you want to play?" I'm like, "Hell no! I'm so like my life is so competitive already. The last thing I need is to like not it's play soccer well for a day." And then I'm like, "Jesus, am I the saddest sack of shit on planet Earth?" Um, easy to pass so along. Well, I have mm-hmm. one that's uh, yes. a, about a competition gone wrong. I'm going to keep the theme alive. And this one's going to be hard I for me it. to get through. Right. Cause this is one of those okay. ones that tickles me from start to finito. It's sent in by Detroit MP or Detroit Simp. Up to you. Up right. to you. Maybe he's... <laughs> Maybe she's, who knows? Uh, and it was from MSN.com, written by Kurt, the MSN reporter. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, they really love to give. Oh, is that Mr. <laughs> Serious News reporter? Oh, <laughs> wow. I, yeah, I'm honored. I'm honored. Yes, wow. Yes, okay. Manny, Sandy Nanny reporter, woman. <laughs> finds Tiddlywink stuck up her nose after 37 years of pain. <gasps> 37 <gasps> years of pain. Jesus. Sounds like a good album title. There we 37 go. 37 years of pain. Yes. Longer than Jesus lived. Yes. <laughs> Four extra years of pain. Oh, okay. my gosh. A hospital worker. <laughs> I mean, you're surrounded by medical staff. Oh, this one gets me so good. I cried reading this. Thank you, Detroit Simp. Oh, God. Uh, A hospital worker who lived with pain in her nose for 37 years has finally finally discovered the truth behind her niggling affliction. A yellow tiddlywink. She got stuck up her nose when she was eight years old. What? I gotta I look, have to up, look up a tiddlywink. I gotta oh, look yeah. up a tiddlywink. Yeah. They are how big a penny. Is it does I picture a penny? It's, oh, is a, this a British? This is a British game, huh? Well, yeah. Oh, it's kind of like jacks. You basically use it's kind of like pogs, but smaller. You use one to flick other ones into a circle. It's fun. Oh god, it's a great sport. Yeah, oh, oh my god, it's so British. Tiddlywinks. There's what the bigger ones are called squidgers. <laughs> and then the smaller ones are called winks, and you've got to use the squidger to get the winks into the pot. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sport of kings, tiddlywinks. Everybody knows that. Oh, wow. they... I mean, that's a that's like a it's small, but it's like so. I wonder, did she know it got up there? Yes, great question. So it got stuck up, and also it's big, like uh, adult nose. Some adult noses you can fit all kinds. You could fit a baby carrot up yeah. some adult noses, but a kid, <laughs> but an eight-year-old, that's a tiny nostril. Um, so got stuck up there at age eight. The pain in Mary McCarthy's nose only, only worsened last year. Getting a COVID nineteen test, having both oh. nasal cavities oh. swabbed and poked up high. She soon underwent. <laughs> underwent surgery to find out the cause of this painful irritation. Surgeons were shocked to pull out a yellow tiddlywink piece she had lodged in her nose since she was a child. The piece had been stuck up her nose for so long, calcified matter had started to grow around it. That is disgusting. The extraction allowed hospital kitchen worker to breathe through her right nose for the first time in eight months. Well, that's a good thing Um, because it caused an infection um, after it got poked by the COVID stick. So now recovering from home, the 45-year-old recalls, here's your answer, Alyssa, recalls playing the game with her seven siblings as an eight-year-old child and vividly remembers putting pieces up their nose and blowing them out to see how far they would go. Classic kid stuff. <laughs> Stick it up your nose. You, you got the holes. What can you do People with that? People say the internet's bad and kids are on their phones. It's like, it's a good thing. We, have, we were these people sticking their nose to pass the time, you That's know? right. Oh so what? They'll be blind at 40. They don't get stuff stuck up their nose anymore. One time, uh, I accidentally inhaled instead of blowing it out, she said, but I was a bit too scared to tell my mother, so I did not. I remembered being terrified all the time, thinking, where has it gone? I oh, always wow. had difficulty breathing through my <laughs> breathing through my nose over the years, but I forgot and never gave it much thought. 
Tiddlywinks, as Curdy B said, is a game from England devised in the 1860s, which involves a squidger made to shoot a small <laughs> wink into a pot. She said after her COVID test, Miss McCarthy was in pain for several days and des- developed the sinus issues that ultimately eh. led to her nose leaking eh. nonstop. Eh. Barf burgers. So what do you do when you are a medical worker? Uh, she went to the emergency department at Christchurch Hospital, and doctors realized with an S <laughs> something was seriously wrong. She had a CT scan, which showed an object lodged far up inside her nose, but it proved too difficult to extract when she was awake. <laughs> oh, the operation was a success. Thank goodness, Mary. We laugh with you and a little bit at you. But um, she's been allowed to keep the tiddlywink as a memento. Did, this, did you say Christchurch? Is this in New Zealand? Christchurch Hospital. I believe it was in England. But she might live. It was in England. Uh, she's a, I don't know. I actually take I that back. Know. I don't well, know. Sounds like a place that has socialized medicine. If you can, go to the doctor, you (laughs) monsters. All the monsters out there, get to the doctor. You can't breathe? There's probably a reason for it. Yeah. Here in America, we can't say go to the doctor. Yeah, nagging pain's a way of life here in the States, and and we tough it out, and we we suck. Um, (laughs) My God, can you imagine, though, just like... Like, as a child, having that feeling of, like, I did something wrong, this is not good, and then mm-hmm. you just forget, and you hope for the best. I think we've all done things knowing that it's bad, and then we hope for the best, and <laughs> comes back to haunt you. It's comeuppance. You know, it really is a good life lesson, exactly. It's like, de- de- deal with the thing up your nose right away, because yes. otherwise calcify in 37 it's gonna cost 37 years of pain calcify and they're gonna let you keep it they were probably like take this out of the hospital if you see something if you feel something say something sooner than later to our eight-year-old bananas god i hope we have no eight-year-old bananas um i had this is not the same exact thing but the story Mm -hmm. that this sparked in my head so when i was when i was in college uh my grandmother passed away i hadn't seen her for a while because she had dementia uh, and so by the end, it was it was not a good look. So I did not see her in sort of that last year. Uh, but so when I go to the funeral home for the sort of the viewing, it was my uncles and a couple of my cousins, people I haven't seen in a long time. I return home. I walk into the room. My grandmother's in an open casket across this long room and say, hey, the fam. And I walk over, you know, there's a little pew to kneel on or whatever those are called. And so kind of say my goodbyes, shed a few tears and take a look at her. And my thought is like, she looks pretty good. Like, I thought she was going to look worse. I thought the uh, the funeral home directors or whoever did a great job. And uh, she she looked a little different, but I didn't know what it was. So I came back and I was talking to my family and they were like, uh, did you notice the glasses? And I was like, yeah, I didn't know she wore glasses. And they said, oh, she didn't. We don't know whose glasses those are. Your grandmother never wore glasses a day in her life. What? But and then, they just put glasses yeah, on? Yes. So whoever did her makeup and her hair and got her dressed just put somebody else's glasses on her in this open casket. And then we all were like, well, she looks pretty good. Like, she looked kind of smart in them. So as far as I know, she was buried in somebody else's glasses. We- I love that. Like, I love just, like, the stylist in the back. Like, no, it's not working. There's something. Off yes. And let me pull some glasses, yes. you know? Yeah. Or they were having a day wow. and there's just two corpses laying there and they were like holding up the glasses over each one and being like, which ones do these suit more? The old lady or the Teddy Roosevelt looking guy? Because they sort of were toes- Teddy Roosevelt esque. But <laughs> I- we all thought she looked awesome and smart and like like an old professor. So we just left them on. Like, <laughs> oh, that's great. That's totally. Great. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's, a- that's kind of a fun yeah. thing. Who cares? Have fun. A new look to die in? (laughs) A look to die for. (laughs) That's a good, yeah, that's Warby Parker's new thing. Like, bury me in my Warby Parkers, and then they just lower them into the ground. (laughs) Curdy B? Yeah, here we got one. This is uh, sent in by, oh, man. Somebody, I bet somebody sent it into us, and they're probably it really sure cool. Did. Send in your stories. You can send in your stories to thebananaspodcast at gmail.com, and you can send it into the Bananas Podcast on Instagram, and we respond to every DM, and it's slowly killing us, but we love to do it. 
<laughs> oh. yeah, respond, that's really nice. Respond to every DM. That's a nice okay. It's wild. Yes. This yes. was sent in by Megs Over Easy on Great Instagram. Babe. Thank you, Megs Over Easy. That's who got um, it. This is fr- it's a yep. good one. This is from IFL Science. <clears throat> the science behind the mysterious blue people of Kentucky. Okay. Uh, this was fascinating. The year? Oh, this was written by... Who who wrote uh, IFL no doesn't yeah IFL doesn't they they just say science writes these oh, wait. oh time out by oh my god and with a picture by Rosie McCall what a name on the 4th of May 2018 she wrote this she is the BITB best in the business right. the year is 1820 and a french orphan called Martin Fugate has just arrived in Troublesome Creek. Oh, boy. My God, this sounds like a novel. Yes. A remote and sleepy settlement in eastern Kentucky. It is here he plans to start a family with his new wife, a red-haired woman called Elizabeth Smith, described as being pale as the mountain laurel that blooms every spring around the creek hollows. The thing is, Fugate isn't like any of the other men in the area. He has a rare genetic condition that has turned his skin a striking indigo blue. The couple went on to have seven children, and four of them, like their father, had blue skin. Fast forward to the 70s, and Benjamin Stacy has just been born. Stacy is the great-great-great-great-great-grandson of Martin Fugate and Elizabeth Smith, but by this point, the blue people of Kentucky are just a memory. Yet, to the surprise of his parents and the hospital staff, mm-hmm. Stacy inherits the family's distinctive blue color. Wow. Yes. So the baby... this is? What? 1970s? 1970s, yes. Wow. Uh, cool. This is because of a condition called methemoglobinemia, yep. which causes methoglobulin levels in the red blood cells to rise above 1%. That's the one. skin's blue, the lips purple, and the blood a chocolate brown. Methohemoglobinemia <laughs> can cool. be triggered by exposure to particular chemicals, but in this case, it was inherited and the product of a faulty gene that most probably caused a deficiency in an en- enzyme called cytochrome B5 methoglobulin reductase. Thank you. Thank you for getting into it, Rosie McCall. We get into it. Yeah. You know, that I was, that that started as like poetic, sort of like filmic, you know? Yeah. It started so, like I was in a field almost. Mm. It was like, so I could see it. It was like a poem mm-hmm. and it ended... <laughs> Yeah, really, really well written to yes. get quotes. You know, it was really well researched. If there's a quote about the way that the wife looks and there's no the wife has nothing to do with the story. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So these people were blue. Wow. And people like avoided them because in back in the day, apparently this was uh, known to be caused by uh, incest. Uh, and so people like who were blue, you stay away from because you don't want to get their genes. But, you know, uh, instead it just came out as kind of a, probably a weird racism, uh, or blue skin colorism. Um, and yeah, so this person got it. Amazing. And, uh, it was, isn't that so strange? It is. I, it really How is. blue are and they? Re- Did you see a photo? Like, are they like there is blue a man painting. blue? Okay. Yeah. There is a painting. It's not dark blue. <laughs> I mean, they're not blue man it's blue. That was a dumb blue. question. They're not blue man blue. We would know about them. <laughs> they would have been on Johnny Carson every year. <laughs> it is um it's almost like a turquoise. It's like a light blue. Sounds beautiful. Uh and it's what's weird too is that not everyone in the family has it. So the painting is of the family. They have seven children and only four of them are blue. And it's so crazy. It's very it's very crazy looking. And also second story with seven children. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Make sure Keeping you going. Keeping going. Hmm. I remember there was a road okay. in Tinton Falls, New Jersey. Sounds fun. It was called Essex Road, mm-hmm. but everyone referred to it as Albino Road. I see. And when you would drive down it, it was a... Uh, you know, it was a road that just did, wasn't a through road for anything. Yeah. It was just in the woods and hadn't been developed yet. I'm sure it's developed now. Oh, yeah. Um, and there was one house that sat crumbling in the woods. Okay. And then all along the road, people had spray painted like Satanist shit and like an outline of a body God, I love where it was like dead oh. body here. Um, dead body and then here. there was this whole story that there was like uh, that in that house 
there was a group of albinos who if you stopped the car, they would kill you or murder you or whatever it was. But it, just because of the fact that it was through like an uninhabited right. area, there was no street lights. So the road was inherently creepy, but it really just was like a country road in an area that was suburbia, you know? Um, and it was, but like it freaked us out out i I remember as a child even when i started driving like going down it at night like the thing to do in high school was to turn your lights off and try and make it from like one end of it to the other end sure it was like two miles or something and it was fucking terrifying it was very scary to obviously driving without lights is very scary wherever right 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 right. that's probably yeah wow but but were there now you grow up and it's kind of like, oh, that they probably felt. So, what, what were their actual? Or Did what, anybody live there? There was no one. Nope, nobody lived oh, there. Oh, just urban legend. No, just an urban legend, just a house rotting in the woods. It was just an abandoned house. That's all it was. And then uh, there was just this whole story God. that had been like written. I'll tell you what. Yeah, I, I, I don't care what the road is. Once it turns night, I'm scared anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like. Yeah, being a kid, being in like the woods or whatever, I can't believe we did that because now I'm like on a main road and I am like, I gotta get it's it's all the prefrontal cortex, you know, when you're yeah, yeah. There's a there's a pretty good haunted road in Maryland called Upper Melinda that like is this windy road that goes down to a mushroom farm, which is already creepy, and there's a stone that says uh, Upper Melinda on the stone, and there's a legend that in that in my town. That um, there was a woman named Melinda that everybody accused of being a witch, even though she probably was just like missed one church day once. And they were like, that's her. Get her. (laughs) And apparently she fled from town and then night fell and they chased her into the woods and the dogs lost the scent. and They couldn't find her. And then in the morning when they came, uh, they found her uh, the upper half of her torso hanging. She had hung herself and they they think animals had eaten the lower half. So they named it Upper Melinda. And it, when you grew up oh. in my town, you would drive and park and roll down the windows and turn off your car. And I can remember my friends, my my sixteen year old girlfriend, like punching me as hard as anybody could and being like, "Drive, turn it on." And then there's a guy that lived there with dogs who would like let the dogs out to bark at you. So you would wait until the dogs were barking at you, turn your car on as fast as you can, or hope it started, and then peel out of Upper Melinda. It's it's still there. I just saw it the other day. <laughs> This is why we need the internet. Kids are safer with the internet. <laughs> get your kids on the internet. Get them an iPad as soon as they come out of the womb. That's it. Kids it does feel like them. all of those suburban legends are dying, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. you can search everything. Like, now you can go on Weird New Jersey and look up Essex Road and kind of, like, read all about it. And that there's, like, 50 different theories on it. And it was all bullshit, you know? Yeah. It's just, like, takes all of the... Takes all the oomph out of it, all the scariness yeah. out of it. There's memes, there's creepy pasta stuff. It's definitely become more like the the Slender Man world of like here, yeah. look, you can research it all night, but then that's not as scary as walking out to a dark woods where it says dead body here and bad pentagrams <laughs> growing everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it was really. Terrible. Hey, what do we what do we do? What do we spray? I want to really freak people out. Uh, how about dead, dead body, body here? And they they did an outline, like a really poor outline. I'm going to get a picture of the outline and put it because it's it's on Weird New Jersey. And uh, the outline, it was very obvious that no one posed for the body outline. It was just like, (laughs) it just looks like, do they know what a body looks like? Or it looks like a glove. You know what I mean? (laughs) I totally get it. All righty. Should I wrap it up with one more? La- send us home. Okay, Alyssa, before we do, let's plug some stuff. Where can people find you on the social meds, the vids? I have went to your website. Plug it all. Yes, go to at Alyssa Lamp on Twitter or TikTok or Instagram. You can follow me. All my stuff is there. And look out for it too late. Go watch it, rent it, come to the theaters, see it. And yeah, that's it. Um, Great. Check out our videos. You're going to love them. I literally watched one and emailed her. I was so excited about you as an actress. I was like, oh, she is so good. It was your ability to keep saying new things that I hadn't heard before, which is the rarest thing for mm-hmm. a character yeah. actor. If you've been around uh-huh. enough, you just hear the same kind of like, you know, but you obviously know because you avoid doing it. But like after three videos, I'm like, I honestly don't understand how she keeps coming up with new one liners especially <laughs> I like when you're in your mom character and you whisper to the camera yes. as if it's like a little yeah. thing that you don't want anybody else to hear. That <laughs> shit gets me crying. That's my favorite. <laughs> um, yeah. Alyssa, what's your favorite fast food? If you had to eat it, if I pointed a potato cannon at you, what would you get? Had to? You don't have to point a cannon at me. Good. I'll just drive there. <laughs> I love 
French fries at In N Out. Those are my favorite wow. fries in the whole. That is a crazy That's choice. That's a crazy answer. Well, I'm a vegetarian, so I only have I, I you know my options are a little bit limited. Or I guess Dunkin' Donuts if that counts. I get Dunkin' Donuts all You're the time. You're from Massachusetts. Oh, I love Dunkin' Donuts. You got yeah. to. Um, and yeah. I think the reason we both responded that way is because I always I've, I've always heard people say like In N Out the fries are no good, but that burgers are really good. You know That's what it what is about the fries? They taste. They don't taste chemical. They taste, yeah, they like, taste they're like fresh. Potatoes. You have to, and if you get them hot, if you eat them hot, it's good. But the moment they chill just a little bit, I find them to be just like regular potatoes. Like wet cardboard. Okie dokie. <laughs> the reason I brought it up is because Tim Hume from CNN wrote this one, guys. Um, it was sent in by Kitsch Empire, and a long time ago. Kitsch, I've been sitting on this one. Sorry, my friend, but you made the pod. Uh, this is a kind of story that I like. We've done several versions of this, but this one is just excellent. French robbers pick the absolute <laughs> wrong McDonald's to rob. Two hapless no. criminals pick the wrong place to rob when they held up a McDonald's in France. Eleven armed members of an elite paramilitary force happened to be eating inside. <laughs> no. 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 no! no! <laughs> Oh, 11 is such a good number of elite paired military members. Too. Oh, my God. If it's two, they can rough you up. If it's 11, <laughs> they can completely surround you twice. Two layers of force. <laughs> What is the what is the group that they're a part of? Les Seals? <laughs> like what is this paramilitary group? Are they Les French? Rangers? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Le Vert Berets? Probably Le Vert Berets or Le Beret Le Vert. Le Vert Berets. Le Beret Vert. Um, the pair allegedly burst into Ecole Valentine branch of the fast food restaurant in the eastern city of Besancon on Sunday. They fired a shotgun into the ceiling. So fuck these oh, guys. Whoa. As soon as whoa. you go there, you're bad news. They've already discharged a gun. And in France, where I think guns are rarer than. <laughs> yeah, for than sure. Anything. Here, suck right? They blew. Yeah, we're like, yeah, that sounds like a Monday. That's how people walk into fast food restaurants in America. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ba -ba -ba Breakfast sandwich. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> I'm loving this. Boom! Um, <laughs> they fired a shotgun into the ceiling, yelling at the wow. customers inside to get on the floor. The city's prosecutor, Edwige Rue Morizot, told CNN. One of the robbers stole 2,000 euro, so about $2,269 from the registers, before the men started to run away. Unfortunately for them, among the 40-odd customers grabbing burgers at the time were 11 members of the GIGN, the national, uh, you get it, the GIGN, uh, an elite, <laughs> that, those words, I'm not going there, uh, an elite special operations unit um, wow. of the national gendarme, which specializes in counter-terror and hostage oh, situations. Oh, my, oh, my crazy. God. Nine of them were wearing plain clothes but carrying weapons. They chased the robbers. They caught one when he stumbled on the stairs. Hilarious. Also hilarious. One of the robbers, armed with the shotgun, kept running. At one point, he took aim at the special forces. This was, wow. as the prosecutor says, a big mistake. Le grand mistake. Uh, the GIGN officers yelled at him to stop and then fired warning shots to deter him. But when they took aim at him, uh, when he took aim at them again, they responded with a, quote, neutralization shot to the abdomen. Oh, my God. Both men who were born in 1991, weird fact, but they gave it to us. Strange. Strange. Okay. Uh, were taken to the hospital and charged with armed robbery. Uh, the prosecutor said, uh, she said the officers had delayed intervening earlier in the robbery because of the threat uh, to customers. So they're waiting for them to step uh -huh. outside. None of the staff or customers were injured in the robbery. And no doubt the robbers were ruining the day, which is great reporting by our buddy. <laughs> Tim Hume or Humi at CNN, <laughs> mediumist in the biz. Uh, they rude their trip to Golden Arches that day, but as they say, we're loving it. God, Tim. What? Oh, wow. Tim. Really oh, came wow. in at the home. Eased wow. in. Eased in on the yeah. landing. Also, the fact that there was 40... 
40 people at, at a French McDonald's yeah. surprises me. So, I would bro. think a French McDonald's would be relatively empty. Yeah, uh, true. But look at that, 40 people. They love oh, it. Wow. They love it. Thank you so much, Alyssa, for coming on to Bananas. We really appreciate it. I can't even tell you. This was so much fun. Thanks for having me. You guys are the best. Absolutely. Love to have you back anytime. And I hope your movie makes $10 billion. Um, th- oh, thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Yes. Curdy B. Bananas. Bananas. This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced and engineered by Katie Levine. Theme music by Kahan. And all of our artwork is done by Travis Millard. You can follow us on Instagram at The Bananas Podcast, where we post stories every day and things that we don't cover on the podcast. Listen, subscribe, and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you're interested in advertising on Bananas, please email us at thebananaspodcast at gmail.com. That's thebananaspodcast at gmail.com. 